go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we are excited to be with you today as we continue to explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church, and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting us at our website, www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. That's www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. As Peter previously shared in our earlier programs, we came home to the Catholic Church 11 years ago, and that was an exciting time for us and when we were welcomed back into the Catholic Church. Our passion for renewal was ignited at that time, and we clearly heard the call to go rebuild the church. And at that time, we joined efforts with many other renewal movements, and hopefully now through this ministry, this radio program, we can provide you with pathways as well as your parishes to join that rebuilding process and experience renewal along with us. Mm-hmm. So last week we talked about how the Lord desires to open doors for us to share our faith stories. We learned the signals God gives us when he's opening a door for us, and we called those doors divine appointments, human predicaments, and the power of one. Remember in the scripture that has been a theme for us throughout these visits, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. Always be prepared. I really like that emphasis in the scriptures from St. Peter. And the tips that Peter shared with us last week are helping us to be more sensitive to the signals of the Holy Spirit on when to share our stories, and also helping us to really recognize that open door and then see how God's, God's power is being released through our conversion story. So our hope today is that these three broadcasts are going to help motivate you and equip you to also share your conversion story. Yes, and two weeks ago we discussed how to put together a conversion story. And if you weren't here for that, please go to Catholic Radio Indy website and listen to the podcast. So today we want to do some important sharing along with a powerful conversion story from our guest, Shalwei Zhu. But before we hear Shalwei, let's explore why telling our conversion story is so powerful and also so important. I agree, Peter. Stories are really powerful. For me personally, I really enjoy reading the stories of the saints and their lives and about their conversion experiences and their encounters with Jesus. It really strengthens me. It renews me personally. But my story doesn't compare at all with anything that I'm reading about the saints. So what makes my story special and why is telling the account of my conversion important? Okay, so first of all, Jesus is our example, right? 
in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And Jesus told stories, the parables to communicate about himself and the kingdom of God and all the mysteries of the kingdom that he was bringing to our world. Jesus was a master of the parable. In his teaching, Jesus used parables often to great effect, didn't he? Parables were a good way to teach, and Jesus was really good at telling parables. However, there were more reasons for that than Jesus used parables. And let me mention just three um, reasons why his parables were so impactful. Number one, when he told parables, it gave his enemies no ground. The enemies of Jesus were always waiting to jump on him, weren't they? They were always ready to catch him in what he says. In fact, in Luke 11, 53, 54, it tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees were always there trying to catch him at something that he said. I agree. Jesus made it really hard for them, and he was always speaking in parables, and he could hardly be arrested for telling these stories that were homespun in nature and uh you know, just probably left them with more questions. So let me read a scripture from Matthew 13 where the great parable of the sower and the seed takes place because throughout this parable, Jesus describes to us why he tells parables to make this first point to give his enemies no ground. Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew 13, he said, this is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, you shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn to me to be healed." Jesus also took advantage of those times when there were multitudes that flocked to hear him speak. And he would sit down and he would share with them a parable. And through the parables, he would enlighten the hearts of those who were there, who were sincere, receptive. They were hungering and thirsting to hear what he had to say. So that's correct. The second reason, as you are alluding to, Leslie, is that he told parables to enlighten the true hearted, just the opposite of the first thing that we just shared. The word heart, incidentally and by coincidence, starts with the word hear, H-E-A-R. The good heart hears God's word and understands it and seeks to know more about the kingdom of heaven and God's will, doesn't it? In the parables, people found out what they were looking for, and Jesus alluded to this also in Matthew 13. Listen to the scripture in Matthew 13, 16, and 17. He said, but blessed are your eyes, for they see... And your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So we're hearing and listening things that the Old Testament prophets long to experience. Thirdly, Jesus told parables because he wanted to make people think. Jesus knew that not everybody would understand or give proper thought to his parables. Some people turned their hearts and ears to God's word, while others deliberately blocked their ears to God's voice. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 34, he said that 
All this Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. He said, this is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So doesn't that motivate you to really get into parables, knowing that there's things hidden since the foundation of the world that Jesus is trying to relate to us? I've really experienced this in my life as well, that when I hear the parables in the gospel, it really challenges me. I have to stop. I have to think about the message and what he's trying to get across. I know in our small group, we have a time of reflection when we really talk about the scripture, the upcoming gospel, and we really sit down and really dialogue around the parables. This is great, Peter, but we're going to have to pause now for a short break. And when we return, this week's special guest, Shaway, will be sharing her conversion story. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Take Catholic Radio Indy's 40 Days of Lent Challenge. During Lent, listen to at least one hour of Catholic radio each day. If you're already a daily listener, add an hour each day or pick a different time to listen. Or, if you really want to go all in, listen exclusively to Catholic Radio Indy from now until Easter. Spend 40 days with Catholic Radio Indy and see what a difference 100% Catholic programming 24-7 makes. So again, welcome, Shelway. It's great to have you on our program today. And let's start out, Shelway, by saying, let's talk a little bit about, in your own words, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, your education in China, and how you came to the United States. I grew up in China. I had a bachelor's degree there and came to the United States to get a master's degree. So uh, what about your religious upbringing? What was that like when you were in China? Um, There was no religious upbringing at all. Religion was completely out of the question back then, and even now for the most part. We were told over and over that all religions, not just Christianity, but all religions were created by man to poison your mind. At school, we were only taught the evolution theory. Creation theory was only being mentioned so we could all laugh at it. The teacher said only people with no education could ever believe something like that. Well, that sounds a lot different than uh, most of our listeners' upbringing, shall we? Uh, what did your parents teach you in the home about Christianity? What was taught at your, uh, with your parents? Nothing at all. They don't believe Christianity or any other religion. Oh, okay. So there was really no Christianity at school, none at home, really no place that you were uh, going was uh, Christianity ever mentioned. Right. Okay. All right, so what about the people that helped you become interested in the Christian faith? Tell us a little bit about um, how you came to the United States and just how that all evolved. Um. Like I said, I came to the United States to get a master's degree, and um, after that I got a job here in Indianapolis, and several co-workers tried to you know, teach me a little bit about Christianity, but I just wasn't interested. But then 
things to start to change when in 2009, when my husband and I started to travel internationally. So at first we went to Italy, and when you go to Italy, of course you have to go to Rome and the Vatican.、Mm-hmm. And we were really lucky to go on a Scavi tour.、Mm. I have never heard of the Scavi tour until just a few weeks before our departure. So Scavi tour is a tour offered by the Vatican to go beneath St. Peter's Basilica to the necropolis where the tomb of St. Peter is located. So in order to re- preserve this exceptional site, only 250 visitors a day are allowed to enter. Normally, you need to request tickets for the Scavi tour a month ahead, but since we were traveling in low season, we were lucky to get tickets just weeks ahead. So even though I was a little skeptical at the time if the bones we got to see in the end were really St. Peter's. But the tour did get me to believe the twelve apostles are real. Before that, I used to think the twelve apostles were just some kind of myth.、Uh-huh. And then in the next four years, we went to several countries in Europe, and again visiting all major churches in each city we went to. At first, I just visited them like a tourist, looking around, being amazed. But later, I started to follow my husband's example to sit down and say some prayers.、Mm-hmm. I even thought about how ironic that was. I didn't believe in God. Who am I praying to? But I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt to pray for safe travels and good weather to whoever is listening. And then one day in 2013. I was looking around a beautiful church in Stockholm, Sweden. Out of nowhere, a lady walked to the center of the church and started singing "Amazing Grace."、Mm. She had a beautiful voice and perfect pitch, and she sang with such emotion that I was so touched, my tears came out. I am not sure why, but after this experience, I had this idea. That instead of only visiting churches when I'm traveling overseas, maybe I should go see my local church when I'm at home as well. So start that year on Christmas Eve, I went to my local Catholic church for the first time with my husband, and attended the mass. I really liked that experience, and I told my husband that we should go to church regularly in the new year, and we did. After attending mass regularly for a whole year, my beliefs in many things have changed, and I was ready to start the RCIA process. Well, thanks, Shawi. That's an amazing story. You know, I, I know that、uh, many Catholic teachers teach that beauty a lot of times can bring us to the reality of God's presence and the reality of God in the. At, at work in the universe and at work in our lives, and it seems like the beauty of both song and the architecture that you were involved in really、uh, lit something inside you for the Lord. So again, when we met you, Shawei, we met you、uh, in the RCIA process. How, tell us a little bit about what the RCIA process did in terms of、uh, making that faith come alive that started in Norway. 
So RCIA taught me about the Catholic beliefs and practice, and there was a lot of histories, and um, and it was really interesting. And uh, I'm glad I took the time, you know, because I think I went through it for over a year, and eventually I got baptized and entered the church. Okay, uh, and 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 Leslie. Uh, was your sponsor yep. in, in the RCIA. So we got to know you very well, not just through the classes, but on a personal level, yep. both you and your husband, Dave, as well. Yep. So um, lastly, Shaway, what would you tell someone who grew up like you did, say in a communist country where Christianity was um, taught as a myth and you had no exposure at all to uh, the Christian faith? Um, from my own experience, I know how difficult it was. And um, so I would encourage them to go to a Catholic church from time to time, you know, maybe even attend a Mass, to experience the beauty of the Catholic faith for themselves. And maybe you'll just, Holy Spirit will get to you and then you will turn around like me did. <laughs> that, shall we, that, again, I've. You, you shared your story at one time at an RCIA a day of reflection that we had. And I remember I told you that day, I said, Our, you know, Shalway, I bet you someday I'm going to have you telling your story again. And uh, here we are. And it, it, the, the story really has inspired Leslie and me to see how God can reach out to someone coming from a total atheistic background and through a series of events and situations and even a beautiful song can really plant those seeds that God can begin to water. So, Shawe, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, Leslie and I are going to discuss why stories can be so powerful when we tell them as Shawe has told ours today. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Wasn't that a beautiful, amazing story? It makes me realize that stories break down walls with people, help us connect with them, and definitely make an impact for the Lord. Few things are as dynamic as the story of how Jesus Christ has changed one life. Why is that, Peter? I know you've done some research on this, so tell us more. What makes someone's personal story so powerful? Well, let's think about a few of the powerful images, Leslie, that, that Shao Wei shared in her conversion story that I think still resonates with us. First of all, as she shared, I pictured myself like her growing up and everyone around me, my parents, teachers, the culture itself was continually telling me that religions are fool's play, especially, of course, Christianity at the top of that list. Most of us don't know what that is like, but there's some of that going on in our culture today. But in China, it was pervasive for Xiao Wei. Then also, when Xiao Wei uh, came to the United States, 
The second thing that really stuck out to me was that there were fellow students in her master's program that were Christians that talked to her about Christianity. So there was a seed sowing going there, and the kingdom was being sown to Shalway that really did not sprout till four years later. Think about that. That's some, we're going to talk about seed sowing next week. Put those seeds together with the Holy Spirit water in them. She came into a beautiful space, an architecture uh, of a Catholic church, and she was literally the breath was taken out of her when she saw the beauty of architecture dedicated to God. And then in the midst of that, somebody was singing, as she said, in perfect pitch, the hymn Amazing Grace. And at that point, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she literally began to shed tears. Wow, I believe the key to that story was, goes back to those students sowing those seeds when they were with her when, when she was in Texas. So why is telling stories so powerful? I did some re- I've done some research on this, and I'd like you to think about what stories do to us in our human makeup. First of all, we were all raised with, with stories, weren't we? Think yes. about it. Yep. Bedtime stories. Favorite time in our house. (laughs) Right. Cartoons and fairy tales. Uh, Sometimes on our mother and our parents' knees that we were raised with, we were born with stories. When someone begins to tell a story then, it sets off certain expectations in our minds. A writer, Kendall Haven, in his book Story Proof, says that the steady diet of stories that children experience modifies the brain to render it more predisposed to think in story terms. So we're predisposed in our human makeup and the way that we were as little children, we're predisposed to respond to stories. Then secondly, our brains are literally hardwired for stories. Multiple studies show that stories have unique effects on our brains. The researchers tell us that when stories are told, they cause the brain to produce a chemical called oxytocin, which is related to feelings of empathy and a desire to cooperate. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? (laughs) And then multiple studies also tell us that when we hear a story, it triggers the same areas of the brain that are stimulated when we experience an event. Stop and think about that. As far as our brains are concerned, there's little difference between a story and the experience. That's powerful, isn't it? So let me play this back to you, Peter. When I hear someone's conversion story, it triggers something in me. And as you are sharing your conversion faith story, the listener actually puts themselves inside that story. That's exactly right, mm-hmm. Leslie. Okay. The listener is asking themselves What would they do in a similar situation? What would it look like with God working in my life that way too? And lastly, stories stick with us. Statistics do not. An experiment was done by a group of of researchers with university students, and they were given a series of presentations and tested on what they retained. At the the end of the study, 63% of those remembered the stories they heard but only 5% could recall statistics they heard. So stories stick, and they sow the seeds of the gospel in the hearts of those who hear. I'd like to uh, amplify what I'm saying with another story, and this is a story that is uniquely um, shared by my father. 
And I wrote about this story in a book that I wrote called Encounter Jesus. And I'd like to just do a couple excerpts from the story that he wrote uh, and, or that I wrote about. And so, I, I know this story really impacted your life, didn't it, Peter? Yeah, yeah, dramatically. So my father was giving a testimony at his local parish in upstate New York, St. Michael's Church in Newark, New York. He said, for 50 years, I believed that I was the captain of my ship and that I was the master of my soul with everything I did. I had a wonderful childhood. I sought out the sweetest girl in town, which became my wife. That was my mother. <laughs> the depression in 1931 came along and we weathered that just fine. My family grew and had a glorious life of five healthy, beautiful children. I had a job at Eastman Kodak Company that I obtained, and I worked hard to get several promotions. Okay. At that time, I believed in God, and I knew about Jesus Christ. I knew that God had sent Jesus to the earth 2,000 years ago, and he lived and died for us, and I believed and he died and gone to heaven. But 2,000 years was a long time ago for me, and heaven was 90 million miles away. For 13 years, I religiously sought God, but I knew something was missing, and I wanted to get right with the church. I attended Mass regularly. I kept the law and did everything I could. The church was real good to me. I served several positions as Cub Stout Master and also as on every financial committee. I enjoyed and received much from the sacraments and through the Eucharist. Um, I felt the church, my faith was complete, but it still felt like something was missing. The change in what was missing had come through a little different situation and circumstance. On the night of January 15th, 1972, I had a serious heart attack, and between the two, uh, both my Parkinson's and a heart attack, the Lord took me into the valley of death. The curtains were open wide, and I was enveloped by the beauty of heaven. I saw the beauty of colors that I couldn't believe any artist would explain. I saw the eternal light that was given in heaven, and I uh, heard the Lord speak to my soul when he said, I do not want lip service, I want heart service. Don't be so self-reliant, rely on me. For your church, I want spirituality and spiritual fellowship, and do not be so self-sustaining, but lean on me. After that experience, things were never the same. I started reading scripture. It seems I couldn't put my Bible down. I couldn't leave it long enough to eat. I read everything I could and it could get my hands on. My mind and my heart were like gi a gigantic bladder. Now, Bible scholars say that there are 3,600 promises in the Bible, and I believe that I had written or read most of them. But there's one short quote that has come to really change my life which says, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that, I believe, is what's been missing in my life. I've been doing all that without the Lord. So my father had this dramatic conversion story, and he told that story to everybody he met till the day he died. Some people loved it. Other people didn't like it at all. But my father was proud and bold to tell that story. That's great, Peter. I love that story. So next week, we'll be hopefully you'll join us again to hear more about how we can be sowing seeds for the gospel. And the Lord is the one that causes the growth. So thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. 
Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.